Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Mark Uhlenberg, welcome to Tell Me About a Man podcast. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited that you're here. You and I know each other professionally. We have um, similar clients, or I would probably say mutual clients. Yeah. And we worked on a few projects together, and we've just known each other a couple years. And you are in St. Louis, Missouri, correct? That's correct. I've been here for almost 20 years now. Where are you from originally? Uh, all over. But originally, I was born on a farm, on the farm, but born, you know, born in a farming family in uh, Northeast Iowa. And uh, okay, yeah, my travels are families gone from Iowa to to uh, North Carolina, Illinois, to Minnesota, and then to Missouri. It's kind of been you know, the state travel. We've always moved twice for some other reason. Uh, wherever we go, there's just something about, you know, within our local area. So that's kind of been our bad. That's good. We have more in common than I thought, because I always tell everybody I'm from everywhere. And, you know, I've lived all over and I just get around, but not in the bad kind of way. I just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're that's used good. to you're used to it. You're, you're like, we don't have a home. We're just nomads. That's so, right. Yeah. Well, um, I like to start off at every episode with a couple icebreakers. And so tell me a hobby or interest that people might not know you have? Hmm. Well, I, I do a little woodworking. Um, and what I like to do about woodworking, it's kind of a insight into me is when people bring me stuff that's kind of broken down or needs a little fixing up. Uh, I love doing that the most. I love stuff that needs just to be re, you know, refurbishing. It could be a lot or a little or something, but uh, it, yeah, it's very fulfilling. So. And I would have never dreamed I would have done that. My father-in-law was a, a wood collector. He really a very, very talented wood artist with wood and wood making. And uh, when he could no longer do it or he passed, then he passed away, I inherited his stuff. So it was kind of an interesting thing how I got into it. But that's, yeah. And the thing about that, you know, uh, golf and woodworking and fishing and things like that, you can never stop learning. And I, I love those kinds of things. So there's always lots to learn. You can't age out of those things. Either. No, there's no aging out. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it tells me a lot about your personality, which I know, I, I know some about you, but mm -hmm. the fact that you like to refurbish or fix things says a lot about what you do professionally. So it's mm -hmm. interesting. And we, we, we might get into that a little bit. If you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? I feel like I have to come up with an answer real quick, but that's a good one because um, there's so many, you know, uh, Billy Graham. I mean, I don't want it to sound like this is kind of like a pat answer, but, you know, it's like that is a guy I really have grown to appreciate more and more. You know, he had a long life and mm -hmm. uh, I knew people that knew him or met him, but, you know, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say that that would that would be a pretty interesting, you know. That's a good one. I'm I'm all over the board. I'm like Billy Graham's great, Elvis, like I'm everywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's a ton. I mean, there's, yeah, you know, it's the first one that comes to mind. Right? Yeah. Uh, and one more, because everybody loves this one. Cake or chips and salsa? Ooh. Well, I'm going to have to go with cake. Okay, you're a sweets guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, no, but I'm just saying, if I had to choose, I would choose cake. Yeah. I love them both. I am chips and salsa all day long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's jump in here. Um, Mark, tell us just a little bit about your life growing up. Like, you know, you had already told us that you kind of lived in a lot of different places. So I'm assuming your um, having roots is maybe a little unfamiliar to you or it took a while to get there. Um, so just tell us a little bit about your personality growing up, what type of kids you were, anything that kind of stands out that you want to share with us. Yeah, and I'll, I'll do my best to keep it short because the older you get, the more there is to tell. Um, right. You know, I really, I'm kind of a two, there's kind of like, well, there's several chapters to my life, but what I ended up being moving around was nothing like what I expected I would, life would be. From the time I was the littlest kid on the farm, uh, we had dairy cows and I fell in love with animals from a very early age. I mean, if the parents wondered where I was outside the house, they could just go and look for the animals and I'd be there somewhere. And uh, so from a very early age, I knew I was going to farm. I was going to be a farmer. And that's all I could focus on. I was going to be a farmer. I, I you know, absolutely 100%. So um, I, went, I went to college and uh, got a dairy science degree. And that was my first uh, degree. And um, actually, my wife and I got married halfway between college because we we're going to come back home to the farm and wasn't going to have any other chance to be just the two of us. So that was kind of how I, you know, an Iowa State kid talked in Iowa, Hawkeye girl into, you know, going to, going to cycle, become a cyclone because we just, that was the opportunity. And so, you know, you look back, it's like, hey, pretty young. You know, we turned 21 shortly after we got married, but we were 20, you know, and, and we, wow. yeah, it's, it's a, that's part of my story. But to go back to growing up on a farm, you know, people on your podcast wouldn't be able to see me, but I'm missing digits on my left hand. I had a farm accident when I was mm-hmm. six years old. And uh, that's 60 years ago, this July, Mm. you know, and so there's a lot of things that anyone, you know, most people have that really impact them. But you think about, you know, being a six year old and, you know, having that kind of experience, it, uh, it changed me. Um, I was the youngest. I was a, I was a trailer kid. I was assured that I was not a mistake. I just was a trailing kid. My mom was 43 and my dad was 40 when I was born. And, uh, so my older siblings are 12, 11, and 7 years older than me. So that impacts you, you know, and you're it's just a, you know, it's a different dynamic. And uh, my dad and I were like, you know, we're just, uh, if, if a father and a son could be Siamese twins, I, I went everywhere with it, you know. So it kind of, that's how I learned, you know, how to be a man just from an early age. You know, he took me everywhere because, you know, that's, that was the trailer kid. And, and so wow. uh, when I, when I'd come home from the school bus, my dad was always made it a point to be in the house and then off we'd go, you know, we'd have, he'd have his coffee and I'd have a little snack and, and away we go. So from a very early age, I got up, I did chores, you know, learned to be responsible. And that was pretty much my life, you know, 4-H Kanek, 4-H kid, you know, I was involved in everything. Our family sang, went to church every Sunday. My, my grandfather was a Presbyterian minister and uh, my mom was the oldest of eight kids. So I was raised by a, a preacher's kid, and uh, wow. yeah, so um, which is interesting because I kind of got an insight into you know 
people that are in a full-time ministry or pastor's family. There's, it's, mm. you know, it's an interesting thing to observe eight kids, you know, and uh, three of her brothers were in uh, all, she has three, she had three brothers and all of them was like a private Ryan thing. They were all in world war two and some pretty tough spots, you know, so oh, wow. it's, a, it's a dynamic, you know, kind of experience. A lot of cousins on that side, on my dad's side, he just had one sister. And mm. uh, so it was, uh, and, and we'd had some loss. We lost a cousin, you know, early, early uh, on each side, you know, car accidents. One was a sledding accident. So, you know, um, everybody has these things, but for me being the kind of, the, you know, the, one of the youngest cousins and watching this and watching the loss and the sadness, you know, got me early on kind of thinking like, Hey, you know, this thing isn't forever, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've got cousins that are around. So um, I, you know, I just never really knew anything, but just, you know, saying a prayer before, our meals and family time. And, you know, uh, I kind of grew, I kind of grew up in the Christian faith, you know? Yeah. Cause so you had a, you were a knowledge from day one, day zero of what the church looked like, what an image of God, like it was just a knowledge that it was just part of everything that was around you. Right. Yeah. Well, you go to church, right. That's what you do. Right. My dad wouldn't farm on Sundays, you know, it's just, it was just things I observed, you know, and it was around that kind of environment. So, grew up on a farm is one of the, you know, this is one of the big greatest gifts I'm, I'm most thankful to God for. I mean, it was just a wonderful mm. opportunity. It sounds like a beautiful, very peaceful childhood. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, we wouldn't have enough time to get into all kind of some of the nuances, but yeah, you know, it, it really was. I mean, I didn't really. I didn't really have anybody rock my world. It wasn't too much, you know, normal kind of growing up things and uh, just a country kid, you know, small school. During your accident, what did that do for your image of God? During that trauma at a six, as a six-year-old, having his fingers take, what, what type of machinery was it? I got my, got my finger up. So this is my personality. So everybody might as well know. Uh, I was trying to keep my brother from pulling this hay trip rope back so he could pull it back out of the hay mile after they tripped, pulled it, drops the bales, bring it back down the wagon, picks up the, you know, stick it in the whales, take it back up. Well, I was trying to, I was trying to get attention, which that was a big thing, you know, being the trailer kid. So, and I looked away for a little bit and my hand went down. My sister was on the little tractor that was pulling it, pulling it up and down it went. And I basically uh. pulled my fingers off or ground them off and, and then, a fast ride to the airport saying you're sorry dad wow. for being in the wrong place so you know it, it it's really interesting it, those things like that a lot of traumatic you know it's a, it's post-traumatic stuff that, that you know you hear about now but mm-hmm. then it's like and you move on so tell me that things don't grow back you know i mean things there's some things are for real mm-hmm. at a pretty early age so i think it made me a more serious kid in some mm-hmm. ways and I experienced a lot of things. You, you can't go through that. I mean, we could, I can tell you a lot of stuff about what I experienced at six years old, being at Iowa City in a ward, getting uh, skin grafts. And, and uh, you know, I had a finger reattached, actually. It was pretty, it's a pretty amazing story in itself. And, but, you know, at early age, when you're sitting there and you're laying in a ward, back then it was wards and the girls were across, you know, there's no solid wall. They're on the other side. You're on this side. And the kid next to you has lost his arms and the other kids lost his leg. And then you see parents come in and cry because the baby died, you know, in a little nursery not far from you. And you're away from home. There's nobody there. You're six years old. And that's that's what you're Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it's um, 
yeah, I don't know what I made about as far as faith. I think it was just, you know, that's, that's kind of life. Cause you know, we, lo- we lost people. There was kids that passed away rural from farm accidents, you know, suffocated in a bin. I don't this to be depressing, but I mean, that's that, I mean, you, you can, you kind of grow up and, you know, from a little kid's perspective, it's like life's tough, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That moment didn't really, even all those, you know, the time that you spent by yourself in the, in the ward or in the hospital, that didn't change your, that didn't change your view of God or rock your faith at that, no, at that no. as a six-year-old. Okay. No, okay. I think it came into play later in life, you know, obviously, but yeah. So yeah. let's get to that. Let's, let's move towards that. Um, what, what's the moment that you went from a knowledge of who God and Jesus were to a relationship? Oh, well, I have a couple significant points and we can kind of, you know, dial into the two points. And then if you want to ask more questions, ask Marcus. So, you know, typically I grew up in a Presbyterian church uh, because that's my, that's, we went to the church, my grandfather pastored. And uh, when I was at eighth, so when you're eight, you know, eighth grade or 13, you get, you become a member, right? You go to confirmation. That was just the way it was. You know, and it's kind of the bit of the Jewish heritage in a way, right? You know, you becoming of age, that was the age you do. So you passed, you learn all the stuff, you memorize the books of the Bible. Uh, our lead pastor took us our, you know, little room. Saturday mornings, you know, we'd have, we'd, we would have uh, confirmation from like, you know, nine till you know noon or whatever. My parents couldn't always take me. And my sister was a college student at that time. And uh, she took me one Saturday. And of course, she'd gone to the, the university now, at that time, Bill Bright was really ramping up. If you think about the 60s, I'm kind of a child of the 60s, 70s. Eh, there was all this, you know, Jesus freaks and in college, uh, you know, Campus Crusade for Christ. Well, Campus Crusade for Christ had gotten hold of my sister and had really changed her relationship. And she became a born-again Christian. So she rocks my world while we're driving up this little gravel road. She didn't even wait till we got to the main hard paved road. She's like... But you know, Mark, uh, you know, going to confirmation and learn all the books of the Bible and being a good person, it isn't going to get you to heaven. And it's not going to make your life. It's not going to make your life happy. And I'm 13, you know. Yeah. And, I'm like, and I look at her like, what in the world are you talking about? Like this is like it, it just was it was like a foreign concept to me. Now, here I was. I got to Sunday school. You know, my mom's a preacher's kid. You've done all the checklist stuff. Oh, yeah. But I didn't, you know, somewhere along the line, nobody ever explained to me like you got to have personal. So that, you know, that was uh, the kind of rock my world. And what came out of that is I I asked uh, Christ in my heart when I was 13 years old. uh, With your sister, were you led that way by your sister? Yeah. In the car with her? Yes. Wow. So today, I mean, if she was here and you'd interrupt, I'd be telling her, hey, you know, I always thank her for that greatest gift she ever gave me. Uh, that amazing. conversation. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then, you know, so I, I was a very hardworking kid, always working, involved in high school, sports, working, you know, I just jam-packed music. And um, our family, you know, like any families, they got their own dynamics. It was just high expectations. Uh, and uh, and I was okay with that because I always had a lot of energy and I was went after it. But I really didn't have a Sunday school or anything. It was like that pot, that plant that gets potted, right? But doesn't get watered or fertilized and you just stay stunted. Mm. That's how I explain it to people. So that's what happened. And I kind of went on, you know, and nonetheless, I knew something had shifted. (laughs) 
but I never had anybody to kind of take me, you know, to, to, to nurture me the next step. I had my sister, you know, and some of that. So, um, I went, you know, on uh, through high school and went off to college and, uh, you know, I perfected the art of like, this is, this is some pretty free living here. Cause in college, you know, like nobody's making you get up. You don't do, I mean, it was good. So I perfected the art of partying part being a partier. Yeah. And I had some guys in my fraternity that I belonged to that, you know, used to have Bible studies. So I'd go to the Bible studies, but then, you know, it's kind of like, well, gosh, you know, this is kind of boring. And, and so, we, you know, I was kind of like in two different worlds and, uh, finding my lovely bride, Gail, and getting married, like was the things that settled me down. I think God knew that I needed, you know, her in my life to settle me down. Uh, Was she, was she, sorry to interrupt you. Was she already a believer when you met her? Um, You know, I think she's one of those people that it's kind of grown. She's grown into it over time. You know, it wasn't like she had any moment. I think she was probably where I was. You know, okay. but okay. yeah. So so it, so it wasn't like you met her and she was like, "I cannot date you if you are not a Christian." Like, oh no, that was never. Yeah, okay. no. Okay, okay. In I fact, I I you know I'm pretty good. At, I go after what I want, and I knew I wanted her, and I was going to marry her. And I think, therefore, I was in sales the rest of my life. No, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's great. Yeah. So, you know, then I went home to farm and this when I went home to farm, you know, it's 79. This was just, you know, there was a few good years and then the 80s came. And the mm-hmm. short answer, you know, I don't want to be dramatic, but the short answer is the 80s were so bad. You know, so many people went out of business. 50 percent of the farmers in the Midwest lost their businesses. Um, it was a traumatic time. Movies were made over. It had three uh, neighbors kill themselves because they were losing their farm. Wow. So, so there you can see the intensity of what was going on in that environment. We were amidst it. We farmed for eight years. We were amidst it, family farm, went through our own struggles. And this is key because I was sitting there trying to work hard, still get it done. And uh, I finally had one day where it just, you know, it was just a bad day. It was a bad day all around. And I was putting on my boots to get ready to go back out and farm. And uh, I realized that I couldn't do it on my own strength. Here I was trying to do it my own strength. And that was really what I call when I decided to make Jesus Lord of my life. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear people talk about this weight that gets lifted off your shoulders and you feel this lightness. It, I, it was there. And, you know, I had the tears and it was just a moment, you know, just putting on my work boots, my dirty old mm-hmm. boots and my coveralls. And I went out. And I went on farming, but something had shifted. It's different. It was my, you know, I submitted myself to, to Christ. And I had no idea what I just done to myself. Yeah. <laughs> good way. But, you know, it, it's, it's typical. I had, the, the challenges didn't go away. I mean, it, it, in some ways, many things mm-hmm. got more difficult. But my whole perspective of how I looked at it, how I dealt with it, um, yeah, that eternal security. Um, it's and it's not just that. That's not a reason just to follow Christ. It's a big one for a lot of people and should be. But it was really, you know, it changed how I viewed everything. How I viewed my relationship, my family. I had two, you know, two young kids. I believe at the time, maybe I'd take my daughter. My daughter maybe wasn't born at that time. And uh, and here's the main thing. I had a hunger for the Word of God like I'd never seen in my life. And it just happened. That's uh, so beautiful. Yeah, I couldn't stop reading it. 
And so at the same time, I had a guy who was hauling our milk, you know, I had a milk guy coming to mill our milk. And we were getting to talk and he was sharing his faith. And uh, this guy was an amazing guy. And he's like, he started witnessing to me. And we just had a conversation. He says, you know, I'm a Gideon. You should become a Gideon. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Gideons, they place Bibles in hotels and motels, have for over 100 years practically, all over the world. They're in countries. So if you go to a hotel, pull that Bible out, put it up, you know, and you'll yeah. see there's, there's some pretty amazing things written in some of those Bibles too. Well, I, I was a Gideon for a few years and that got me with men. God knew I needed to be with men that could get on their knees and pray. And, and wow. uh, so we have these little testaments that we distribute them at colleges. Mm-hmm. And again, that in and of itself is amazing because that's where I learned that the word of God uh, has its own strength and power. You know, doesn't need us per se. We can participate in it. And, uh, you know, Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, but it shall not return unto me void, but it will go and accomplish that thing whereto I sent it. Mm. So that was another pivotal understanding of who God was that he was God, you know, mm-hmm. and mm. that he, he, he called me out of my sin. You know, I was a good guy. I mean, went to church, <laughs> but he wanted, he wanted it all, you know, yeah. he, he, he pursued me. And, uh, I, you know, and I look back on it. I mean, I don't think I, I had a choice, but I don't know. I don't think I really did because, um, he wasn't going to let go. You know, it's like the hounds of heaven when they come after you, you can't outrun them, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You had said you had no spiritual growth. And I see this happen a lot, especially the years that we worked in youth ministry, that we we go to summer camp, we have an amazing week, the kids are like, I mean, they are on fire. And then, and I'm not saying it's on the church, but it's kind of on the church. It might be what I'm saying is that, mm-hmm. There's no like deep dive, like a new believers kind of training. I hate to use the word training, but a, an ability to take them from milk to solid food in their spiritual walk. Do you see that? And, and obviously it happened to you. Is there anything that you have done over the last, what would that be? 40 years to help yeah. prevent that in others? Well, I, I think a lot of it happens. Well, we want to think about programs. We're, we're certainly oriented around, but we got to do a program, you know, but it really yeah. is about, it's really about relationship. And I think anytime you can match up someone with, you know, another brother or sister in Christ that can walk alongside, because uh, some of these things are very difficult, you know, mm-hmm. it's messy. It's a messy life. Every life, every family has got their own, you know, we did this men's fraternity in a church that we belonged to early on. And this men's fraternity is an interesting thing. It's, it's, uh, I, I, if, if anybody runs into it, run to it. It's great. But uh, the fellow's out of Texas and he talked about, you know, everybody's got mother wounds and father wounds. We all do. We as parents wound our kids. We don't want to, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're weak and we're weak and fallible. You know, we're sinners. And mm-hmm. so we do the best we can. And so I think that's what's important, right? Everybody needs a mentor. They need someone to process their, their faith journey. Um, and I think that's the best way. But I, I think some of that is almost unavoidable. You know, there's a little bit of, of uh, you know, we all wander away a little bit. But God's got us. He's, he claims us forever. We, there's no, we're not, 
we're not lost, so to speak. You know, we're saved nonetheless. But what we're missing out on is the richness of his glory of coming closer and really making him. When you when you make Jesus Lord of your life, now you're now you're in for some some great adventures. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Who was the first person you told after that day? Oh yeah, I don't know who didn't I tell. Yeah, you know, and and uh, given my nature, you know, I get pretty enthusiastic. People got tired of me talking to him about it. That's great. <laughs> and I was okay with that. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah. And I mean, when I said I read the what I had little Gideon, little New Testaments, they were in the tractor. They were in every I mean, I had Bibles everywhere. I pick them up. I mean, it, it was. And then, in fact, later on in my life, you know, I kind of longed for that because there was such a kind of a really interesting time, mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, yeah, I got my Bible behind me right now. I try to. Nice. Try to keep. That's a that is power in a person's life, you know. Uh, yeah, I remember when I learned how to pray God's word back to him mm. as a and man, you want to talk about boldly coming before the throne, yeah. pray his word back to him and there's some boldness there. So, I'm assuming from that time in the 80s, um life hasn't always been easy and things haven't been amazing. Share a story or two um, you know, what that's looked like, what your relationship with Christ has has how how it's been key to get you through things and that have that have just gone wrong in your life. Hmm. Well, I think you know that the we gotta go back. I, I was only ever, I can't emphasize enough, going to be a farmer. Mm. And I could sum it up and maybe this is too general, but I literally like opened my hands up and said, okay, God. You take me where you want me to be. I won't be happy unless I'm there. I think I get this thing now. And if I'm mm. in here, fine. And and he opened up. I mean, he he opened up a pathway for me. And we ended up going to North Carolina. I managed to farm uh, for a bit there. Thought that was it. You know, we're going to manage farming to kind of own it eventually. Uh, the You know, that didn't work out. He still owes me some money <laughs> years later. Uh, but... I got out of ag for a while because I was burnt out on it. And I just, I, I can't tell you how many experiences I had where God would just show up. You know, people tell you those, I mean, I got numerous stories where you need 300 bucks, you don't have it and you don't know where it's going to come from. You get a check in the mail. Yeah, It's, it's, it's a, it's a sweet, it's a challenging time in your life, but it's a sweet time in life because you start learning to trust God more and more. So that, that to me is, you know, Maybe not a specific time, but I have numerous times. Really? Numerous times. I have had some really interesting times, experiences, you know, when I'm really trying to grow closer to God and praying, like you said, praying his word back to him where uh, I felt God's presence in a way where I've had to beg him to stop at times too, because it's it's just, you know, I think it's in those times that you're least expecting it. God shows up, you know, mm. he shows up big time. But I've also, as I've grown older, like it's a good day today, you know. I'm having a pretty good day today, and I'm, I'm pretty, you know, that's pretty cool. I'm thanking God, for that, yeah, because you know? yeah, you know, you just don't know. I mean, what, what's going to happen? And you know, I've got a sister who loves the Lord right now. She's uh, in, camp, you know, uh, chemo mm. uh, treatments, and you know, she's, she's a, uh, you know, it, it's just things like that, that. That that's what God gives you that ability, and when you have your 
it's so great when your siblings have faith or anybody in your family. It's so it's it's so it's wonderful because you share that and you know you know they're okay, right? It's I worry more about people's spiritual situation than their physical. And that may sound weird to some people, even that listen to this. I'm a very positive person, yet very much a realist. And like you said, I worry more about their faith than I do their 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 physical body. And sometimes that can come across to the wrong person the wrong way. Um, but Absolutely. I know the Lord knows my heart. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it's what I think is that when you, it's a much better, it's a it's a much easier life when you let God take the lead. Now that's yeah. been a process. I'm always like, I'll try to get out in front. I mean, even now, if I, if I don't keep my eye on it, you know, I'll always try to get out in front of it. So when I started my current business, the Heartwood Group, uh, 12 years ago, strictly to help people grow and develop, you know, and uh, if I tried to get out in front, if I, if I really tried to make something happen, right, to grow the business, it didn't work. And when I when I, I told God this is your business up so right up front, you know if you want to grow it's yours, and He took me at my word, and uh, you know I would finish with one client, another client would come. Now I'm not saying that's the right strategy for everything, but God knows what I need in my right. pride. He keeps me in the spot that's best for me, and so this was a time in my life where I was you know I had an opportunity to really up the ante on being completely dependent on Him. You know, for my business, uh, for my future, wherever it was going to go. And, uh, you know, I asked him a long time ago, it only blessed me if I can be a blessing to others. Hmm. So that kept, keeps my heart in the right spot, you know. Oh, it's, it's good. But that's that's for me, you know. But I think everybody needs to find that. You know, they need to find what that 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 kind of a orienting relationship. Yeah. So how do you prioritize um, your career and your faith because you, you have a, you Heartwood group um, is a consulting business, correct? Yeah. Consulting and executive coaching or leadership coaching business. Yeah. It's successful. You've done very well for yourself. You're toying with retirement. Um, and uh, so you are driven and you are passionate to help people. How do you keep your priorities, you know, faith, family, career, and not get in the way of what God's trying to do, but at the same time still be driven to do great things for other people? Well, it's a really good question. You know, and, and again, I don't know if my answer, you know, sounds too simple, <laughs> but I learned a long time ago, I can't separate them. Mm. It's, I, I live an integrated life. So I, my faith and my family and my work, all these things are worship. I worship God in all these things as best oh, I can. Good. I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I, 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 I mean, I'm working it out just like everybody else. But, um, you know, I recently just finished a two-year stint on uh, being in a call committee for a lead pastor. And we had our pastor was there at our church for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful interim pastor that came, God provided, and I learned teamwork. I've never had, I mean, I've been on some great teams and I've led some great teams and I've worked, but I've never experienced the kind of teamwork and the ability to relate to each other that I have with these 11, other 10 people on this team for two, you know, for two years we spent together. 
in prayer. And, and uh, when, and I wondered like, okay, so what the point of the story is I got a lot of things going on. How am I going to meet every two weeks for two years? Plus there's a whole lot of other stuff. Cause I listen to thousands of hours of sermons and blah, you know I mean? I, I don't want to say blah, 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 but it's like that's right. a lot of stuff. And so you can sit there on one hand, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have time for this. And at the time, you didn't know it was going to be two years. No one knows no. that they're going to be on a two-year pastor search. Well, I knew it was going to be a pretty long time. And I actually was the one that told everybody, slow down. When a pastor's been around for 23 years, you got about 23 times one month is about how long it's going to take you. That's wow. a general rule of thumb. And you need some transition time. So God put me on this team, not because I was the smartest person in the room, because I wasn't. But I'd had, I was one only one that had experience in calling lead pastor and kind of knew some of the process. Now, the process was different, the different situation. But so my point is it, that's just my most recent example. But I could take you through several examples where, you know, you can't overthink it. And you just got to, God calls you. If somebody's talking to you and they're coming, there's a reason. There's a, mm. you, there's a reason why someone comes and says, hey, I think you should be on this committee. And you're like, really? You do? You may not think that, but God's talking to them, you know? Yeah. So as you enter into this next season, you and I, have, you've led some groups and you talk about yeah. your, um, you know, this season, this next season of retirement and looking at what that looks like. How do you continue to passionately share your story with those around you of, um, you know, the story of how a man changed your life. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I could, I am getting more serious about that as I get older, about sharing my faith. Good. And I believe if you do mature in your faith, I don't see how it can't grow. I'm, I'm in this, I'm really in a personal evaluation right now of uh, being more bold and sharing my faith in that relationship with what, what Christ has done for me. Cause it's immeasurable. Um, I really don't know. I would have gotten through all the trials and tribulations. You know, my wife's had breast cancer twice. Thank God she's been cancer free for many years, but you know, there's, there's so many things I could tell you that I get through that I've gotten through and I wouldn't have gotten through, you know, I would have gotten through it, but it's to have someone to walk, walk alongside you, someone to be, you know, like closer than a brother, right. Or closer than sisters mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, it's, and, and it's an experience, but it's also, it's, um, it becomes, it's, it's more real to me now than ever. It's amazing to me because I, I just had this thought that you talked about, like there's so many things, but when you have the joy, the Jesus joy in you, mm-hmm. there's no pondering on all those things. Like it's almost hard to like remember those things because you've had so much hope and joy to look forward. Like you're like, those things were stinky. They were crappy, but man, what lies ahead is so much better. And I think we can all say that we see that the difference in someone who doesn't have hope in their life, who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. There's always this desire to look backwards where when you have hope in Christ, I don't want to look backwards. Well, I think that's a good that's almost a good ending to this conversation, really, because, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I could like I said, you know, you live long enough and you stay you stay in relationship with God, you know, and, and I can't emphasize stay in God's word. And I say that to myself. It's not for the, mm. it's, it's much for me because that's how we stay filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we're we're like a sieve. We leak. 
you know, yeah. and we, we need to be filled up often and on this side of heaven, because we just, and so, so the, the God's word is really how we keep that Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the saints, you know, as they say, it may be old fashioned term, but the fellowship of others, people. And, but then also we have to take that and move out. And so I want to go back to your, I want to answer your question because to me, what's been most interesting is when I've been unknowingly influencing people. And that's one thing mm-hmm. my business has been. So I, I've had people, I remember one time was when I worked at a large corporation. Uh, I had an office. We were going through some pretty tough times. I was leading the development uh, part of that business, FDA compliance. And a guy came in, shut the door, sat down and said, I don't know what you got going on, but I want some of whatever you got. That's the best. I was like shocked. I mean, like, what, what are you talking about? And this is a little weird, you know? And he went on to explain, it's like, hey, there's people around here. They're all wigged out and you seem to just be steady Eddie. And I said, hmm. I said, well, I got news for you. It's not me. Mm. Holy Spirit, you know, Lord God, you know, the creator of this universe living in me. That's not me that you're experiencing. Me, the me you'd be experiencing would be, uh, holy crap, you know, we got, <laughs> we got some issues going on here. But, you know, so it's, there's been times and, uh, you know, I've, and again, that's a sweet part. If you live older on this earth, you know, you'll have a few morals. Like I, I've had, my niece came up to me and said, you know, Uncle Mark, you know that conversation we had? And I'm like, I'm looking at her and she's like, it changed my life. You know, I'm, I'm closer Aww. to God. You know, like she's looking at my face and it's like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I said, no. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I wish I could pull it back. I wish I really wish I could, you know, and I think, so I don't know if that answers your question. I think sometimes when we're, you know, it, our biggest role is to stay in relationship Stay close to Jesus, stay close to Christ, um, stay in the shadow of the cross as much as we can. And uh, so what I'm doing now, I've been thinking about this, you know, a lot of times they, they, we, I take turns leading our group, our small group. We have a small group and our couples. And we went right through COVID and everything was like we met. We met personally. We stayed in fellowship. That's great. Uh, and we have grown really close. And, uh, and all of us are kind of have fingers out into different things. Uh, a lot of great, successful people, but uh, I uh, kind of, I've been leading when we don't watch this kind of the series that's been going like crazy, The Chosen. We chose, we chose, oh. you know, yeah. and then we talk about it. And we actually, my buddy's in this group, he's put wonderful lessons together to go with it. I've been trying to get him to, to get him really? out. Oh yeah, they're, they're phenomenal. And so we've, we've, we've done other things, but then I'm kind of, the guy that fills in before the next series comes out and I just let the muse hit me. And I kind of think like, God, what do you want us to know? What do you think right now? And it's kind of a combination of, you know, what I experienced working with people, what I experienced, what's going on, you know, kind of real time. And all of us are 60 ish or more. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you talk about aging gracefully. Mm. Well, there ain't nothing, there's nothing graceful about aging. No. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a it's it's a BS term is what I'm going to say. That's <laughs> and but what God laid on my heart and what I've been leading that group through is this idea of aging with grace. Mm, that's good. The grace that God gave me when I was 13, and how do I keep taking that to the next chapter, uh, taking it forward? And uh, you know that'll play into you know 
I don't really talk about retirement, but what my next chapter is and, uh, you know, what I'm going to do next and how God's yeah. going to use that. What would you say to someone who hasn't shared their story yet? Because the whole point of Tell Me About a Man is for this podcast, your episode, everyone's episode and everyone's story to mm-hmm. be shared and to, to help others get more comfortable with sharing their story and to understand the impact, no matter how extreme or no matter how vanilla your story is, you have a story that could help someone else, you know, live in eternity and have a relationship with Jesus. So how would you encourage someone who hasn't shared their story of how they met Jesus? Mm. How would you get them to share that with other people? That's a wonderful question. It's just a wonderful question. Um, Hmm. I think it gets back to, you know, when you share your story, it's, we, we all love a story, right? We love stories. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. It, in fact, I think we are God's grand story. It, oh, I do a lot good. of coaching around this concept of story. You know, we all have our stories and they get in our way and they, some help us go forward. And so by sharing your story, you know, it really, it really encourages other people uh, there's a numerous things. I'm not alone. Mm, mm-hmm. It's not just me. Other people have the same issues. Other people have had the same challenges. You know, we can tend to get in our own thoughts and our own minds. Really and bad. That's a, it's an echo chamber that can really be, <laughs> bad. it's a bad place to stay, you know? And so if you don't realize, I, I think, I'll, you know, what occurs to me as we're talking about that, go back right Go right back to these. I just shared a few examples, and there's many I'm sure I'm not even aware of. Of when I shared my story, it, it helped someone else, and I wasn't even aware of it. So, yeah, it's kind of a big deal, then, isn't it? Yeah, you said something earlier. I was thinking about, you know, you said, God, if you bless me, let me be a blessing. And I think that really can just fall into you sharing your story also. God, you've blessed me in my story. Now let me use that to bless someone else. Yeah. I think you have to step out, you know, to me, it's, um, uh, again, it goes back to being an integrated life. You, you can kind of poke around at it. You can sneak up on it. Sooner or later, you're going to have, you're, you know, God loves you too much. He's going to confront you. But at the same time, he's given us free will. And, I'm not saying the knock on the door is going to be growing fainter. I don't know how to say this, but um, he also isn't going to bug you if you're pretty much saying, you know, I'm really not interested or, mm. uh, you know, he's not going to, he's, he's not going to just come in and bust the door down. Uh, yeah. So, so God doesn't need us. You know, he's got all the money he needs. He's got everything. He's the creator. He's, he is the one. And I think that's such a sobering, just a very centering thought. So what's the real opportunity back to why would you tell your story and why would someone even consider following this man? You got, it. I mean, it's, it's, to, it's, it's the greatest gift there is. I mean, you, you've got a chance to participate in something that, that no, you know, people have given their life for. That's how great it is, you know, yeah. uh, literally and figuratively have given their life many, many over the eons. Christianity is growing by leaps and bounds right now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we need to, we need to, if we want to share, I mean, there were, it, and part of it is, that's part of the deal. Okay, you're in, you follow me, 
go make disciples. Yep. And the reason we, and that's really was an interesting place where we landed as this, I'll tie it back to our pastor search committee. We found a guy that is passionate about making disciples. That's great. And he's, he's a man that met a man a long time ago. And he's like, he, he uprooted his family, his young family. He said, my family's a family on mission and they get it. But he's not saying it was easy. He's not saying they don't like it, but he's all in. He's all in, you know, which is a key, you know, that's buzzword now. But he's all in. And and we knew that, you know, that God was calling our church to grow more disciples. And uh, I need to be a part of that. Yeah, you know, I think the older generation in a church sometimes thinks that they're they're done working. Um, I've, I've had someone recently say to me, um, oh, we've done our time. And I'm like, your time is never up. When you when you quit breathing, that's when you're yeah. done. It, now, you may not still be able to physically serve in the manner that you once did when you were in your 20s or your 30s or, you know, when your kids were teenagers or whatever, but you still have gifts of the spirit that you can serve the body and those that need to come to the body with. And I think a Absolutely. lot of people forget that. And, um, you know, I, I, you're so encouraging, Mark. Um, I have... Two more questions for you. Okay. Is there anything that you haven't shared yet that is on your heart that you want someone listening to hear? I would say if there's anyone out there that has any any question at all or even an inkling that maybe God might be speaking to them, that maybe now's the time to really, you know, give your life over to fully to Christ. Um you can contact me or whatever. I'm glad to talk. I mean, do it because it will make all the difference, not a difference. I think that's a big, you know, a difference oh, yeah. it makes all the difference. And uh, I have no promises. Life gets easier. It's just, you know, why not, why not partner up with, you know, the, the creator, the God of the universe. He wants a relationship with us. It's just like, you know, if you're, I got kids that are older and grandkids now. You know when your kids don't call you? <laughs> it's like, hey, you haven't called me in a while. I want to hear from you. You know, I want yeah. to be close to you. That's that's what God's like. He's mm. you know, he wants to be close to Seth. That would be one thing I'd say. To that's him. good. And um, how can we be praying for you? That is a great. I've you know I'm I've seen that. Uh, a lot of work that I've done. I'm still enjoying the work, and I've got you know, I'm. I'm just, I'm considering what's next for me. I, I think I have some I, good, good ideas, but uh, I just, I think praying for me would be, uh, you know, stay strong, finish strong. I, I'm not checking out right away. Not that I know of, but Lord may take me. I mean, maybe gone at the end of the day, who knows? But, uh, you know, I, uh, I learned from my mom or all of our family learned from our mom. She, she was, she was witnessing to people in her hospice bed when she was 95 wow. and a half so, you know, it's like, I just have that as a background. And so, you know, pray for me. I just, yeah, I'll keep stay in the game, you know, and uh, I believe I will. Mark, I love your story and I appreciate you so much. And I have no doubt that you are going to finish strong. Yeah, well, I, 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 uh, I'm planning, I'm planning on that by God's grace, you know? So thanks, Gina. I, and I appreciate you too. I appreciate you too. It's been it's been good getting to know you and, uh, you know, I just love your spirit. And, and uh, this is such a great thing, you know, because God's word and this relationship is still relevant today. You know, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. there's so much that goes out of style and goes away, you know, 
rapid change in technology, but God is just as relevant to our lives as he was for the people in the early church and, yep. and will continue to be. So it's, it's awesome. My dear friend, I want you to know that this man, Jesus, my guest spoke of, is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust, and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in His truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.